This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way, providing a seamless mortgage experience. When you want to adjust your ability to adjust your loan options in real time, folks, remember this. Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4CBS, 40 minutes away. Tony Pauline's going to join us. Damn it, I'm going to get to this Julian Edelman thing at some point. We got calls coming out the wazoo here. I got Pierno, who has a glorious top five that's coming up in 20 minutes. Hello, Pierno. Oh, you know it, Kenny. What's up, buddy? How you been, man? What's been up? Good? Yeah, I can't complain too much. It's good to hear your voice, Pierno. All right, so you want our top five, right? Yeah, I want the subject for it. You know, we gotta we gotta do that because it's a. Last week it was top five WrestleMania matches of all time. It, there was some controversy to it. Boy, I feel bad for you when you put your top five out because you you always come with good reasoning and then you put it on Twitter. And last Friday, last Saturday, who's this idiot with his top five? Ken, I'm going. He no, guys. Pierno is great. You gotta respect Pierno in his top five. You see okay? people. See people don't listen. You see, if they yeah. actually got the reasoning behind it, yeah. I think they would appreciate it a lot more in a lot of instances. There you go. You there just you go. see the list, and then, yeah, you react, and it's not good. Yeah. You're oh, right. but you're I didn't right see that. that. I didn't see someone say that. Oh, wow. They just oh, – uh, Well, you know, I, I, try to keep, I try to keep you until what? the next week. I try to keep you, you know, shaded from that. I, gotcha. I try to protect my Pirano. Yeah. Oh, okay, thank you. All right, well, this yeah. week um, we got some news this week that Alfred Molina, who um, – he played Dr. Octopus in the Spider-Man 2 movie with uh, Sam Raimi and the Tobey Maguire trilogy. Oh, he confirmed he confirmed that he's uh, coming back as Dr. Octopus in the uh, new Spider-Man movie, which is coming out in December. So I said, let's do our top five favorite movie villains. Okay, you swerved me, thank God. See, this is how you know me. This is how you took good care of me, Pirino, because you know when you mentioned Spider-Man, I'm like, dude, I... You know I'm not. I'm staying. Movies. I'm staying away from the comics. And I got nothing against them. I know that everybody likes them. You, the, for the people who like that type of thing, that's the thing that those people like, and plenty of people like those things. So I know I'm in the minority there. Top five movie villains. Okay, Jenny from Forrest Gump. <laughs> Adrian from Rocky. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I like that. Well, there'll be, be, be a twist on it. It's going to be hard for me to not go Batman because that's the one superhero movie series that I'm just, I can't get enough of. That's The Joker is a great villain. Yeah. Man, I think every, I'd be willing to say just about every single 
person who's played the Joker has been great. You know, going even Mark Hamill in the animated series. It was Mark Hamill, right? It was the Joker. Oh yeah, he voiced series. it. He was great. Yeah. He was great. I mean that that animated series was so good. I mean that was the cat's ass that animated series. But going back to uh, what Vincent Price to now to you know Heath Ledger and to uh, Joaquin Phoenix, like those. I mean it's just it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Everybody who's played the Joker, I've I've been enamored by. It's. Do you think when you think about this real quick? And I want to get the back to the phones and everything like that. We focus so much on who plays Batman. Has the person who's played Joker been the more legendary actor? Like, have they been the better actor, the person playing the Joker? Like Heath Ledger, God rest his soul. Like a lot of people are like, yeah, Heath Ledger, yeah, just a pretty face. That and then they no, saw no, that no. role. I mean, first off, I don't know how people didn't realize before that movie how talented he was. Um, I understand. I, I find that hard to believe, but I agree with you. Yeah, there there were people like, are you kidding me? This guy is playing, yeah, the Joker. Yep. Yeah. But like, like people are like, ah, oh, Ben Affleck, yeah, Batman, da 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 da. And I'm like, man, when you look at the the actors who play the Joker, those those are the the those are the big deal. By the way, was Vincent Price the Joker or the Penguin? Am I mixing these up? Who was it? Cesar Romero was the was the Joker, right? Yes, and the original. There yeah, we the, go. The, the the Adam West Batman. Yeah, he Thank was the you. Joker. Yeah. Thank you. That, that's some nice camp stuff. I like that. I like I like nice campy stuff. That's fun. Eight eight five five two one two four CBS. That's some good stuff right there. Uh, Pierno, thank you very much. Oh, you're Anthony welcome, Pierno. Ken. You're welcome. Hey, by the way, I know you've never been engaged. Between no, I have not. And, between A-Rod and uh, Jennifer Lopez, who gets to keep the ring? Uh, who cares about these celebrity couples? First of all, first of all these people shouldn't even be getting married in the first place. Nah, they can get listen, married if they want to. Listen, who are you to stand in the way of love? Uh, come on. Hey, listen, honestly, let's be honest now. Why what? do most people get married in general, right? Is they, they, you know, they find somebody that's willing to have sex with them for the rest of their life. You know, they, they put up with them. Wrong. You know, you're you're rich. Wrong. You're rich. You're powerful. Wrong. You have money. You, know, you don't Wrong. need to worry about that kind of stuff. You can get it whenever you want. So Wrong. you know, let's don't worry about the marriage. They all wind up getting divorced anyway. It's so that's not stupid. true. Only fifty percent of them end up getting divorced. Tom Hanks has been with his wife forever. All right. Yes. Yeah. The rare How like exception. That? How you like that? Boom. Take that. It is a rare exception. You're right. Not, not, not everybody is Liz Taylor getting married eight, nine, ten times, whatever it was. All right? Maybe you're wrong about that. The and majority the way, of them are. Your reasoning for people getting married is is skewed. This is how people know you've never been married. The reason you get married is not because you have sex with the same person for the rest of your life and you're okay with something like that. No, that is, I mean, you're, you're, you, I mean, you actually find someone that's willing to do it with you. I mean, okay, you know, that's you, that's you, still that is still trite. I mean, the you're reason so pr- the reason you get married is trust. That's the reason you get married. Or at least, the, the, uh, to me, the building blocks of a successful marriage, and I'm not Dr. Phil over here. Hell, I'm probably better considering some of the advice that guy gives. The re- <laughs> I've said this before. The reason people get married is they found somebody that they trust enough that will not murder them in their sleep. Think about that for two seconds. You spend most of your life with that person for the rest of your life. There will be plenty of times where you are right next to that person. That person is awake. That person is got all their all, all their 
the, the, the things going on, they are, they are perfectly awake and well and can see you, and you are asleep, you're unconscious. You are as vulnerable as you're ever going to be. You're at your weakest point. You're asleep. That person can do whatever they want to you. While I'm sleeping and my wife is still awake, she could take a knife and end me at any moment. She can go into the closet, get a gun, and end me at any moment. And she doesn't. And that has happened as well, though. That has happened. I mean, that's, you know, you got to roll the dice every now and then. And sometimes you, you come up snake eyes. But most of the time, most of the time, you find somebody who's not going to murder you in your sleep. That's marriage, Pierno. And when you find that person who you believe is not going to kill you in your sleep, Pierno, you are going to have a successful marriage. Different when you have all that money and power. That's true. That's true. That's, that's true as well. People throwing them at yourself, you know, all the time. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, you know, that's different. Yeah, it's true. Didn't think about that part. Eight five five two one two four CBS. All right, let me get to Chad in Green Bay. Chad, you're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead. Hey, Ken, how you doing? Chad, I got a question for you, real quick. I'll let you go. What's right, that? ready, ready. Have you ever been divorced? Or have you ever no, been? I'm have engaged. you? I'm engaged right now. I'm getting oh, married congr- in December. So if your marriage doesn't work, if your engagement doesn't work out, do you get the ring back? How's that work? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> I mean, I hope you. I hope it doesn't go that way. I don't plan on it going that way. I, I wish you and your future wife. What's your wife's first name? Her name is Mary Ellen. That's her first name, Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen. Wow. Yeah, that's two a, names. Two names. She comes. You know she comes from a strong background. Her dad owns a bunch of companies, doesn't he? Uh, he's passed away. God rest in peace for him. Oh, well, I didn't know about that. Well, you know, what are you going to do? He still had a strong name. When the girl's named Mary Ellen, you know that her parents come from good from good stock. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, 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 if, if you get... If you break off your engagement through your tears, you got to call me up and tell me if you got the ring back, okay? Hopefully you guys don't have to do that. All right, go ahead with what you were going to say. I'll let you know. I want to go with player empowerment, but I heard you talking about Edelman, Hall of Famer or not, earlier on the break. So here's my thing from Green Bay. Like, I'll throw out some names. Sterling right. Sharp, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings. All have better numbers than Julie Edelman, and none of them are even going to sniff the Hall of Famer. Oh. So how are we going to say that that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer? Chad, I love you. I love you so much for this call because you just you, you just put it on a tee. I'm gonna I'm gonna just knock it right out of the park here in a second. But what is that? All you wanted to say now? Is that all you wanted yeah, to I, say, Chad? Yeah, I'm going with that. Yep. All right, all right, Chad. Thank you very much for the call, and I wish you and Mary Ellen. I wish you and Mary Ellen all the very best in life. You know, I am an ordained minister, Pierno. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Uh, actually, I think you did tell me this once. I have married people. I actually married my buddy. I got him and his wife married, and then I set him up with his divorce lawyer. It's a true story. <laughs> Swear on this Bible that's on my desk right now. I got him his divorce lawyer after I married him. So if I, if I ever get married one day, maybe I'll have you come and do it. I got a guy, if you need, he will take her to the cleaners. I'll tell you the rest of it off the air, but he, he got what he got what he wanted. My buddy won out in this case. I will tell you that. 855-2124-CBS. About Julian Edelman, I'm glad Chad brought this up. I know we got top five coming up. I'll try to make this short. I don't think Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. I mean, Chad just rattled off a bunch of guys. Throw Antonio Freeman in there if you really want to as well. He might have said it. I don't know. I, I I got blindsided by a couple of big names in there that were really, really good names of what Chad just said. 
I don't think Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. I don't. And I'm thankful that the Hall of Fame makes us wait five years and calm down before we put guys in the Hall of Fame. Because there's plenty of guys where, like a Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers, I wonder if he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Because in five years, Drew Brees will also be a part of that class. Well, if you're putting in one quarterback because it's the most important position, you want them to have their time, you're not putting Phillip Rivers in the same class as Drew Brees. Then after that, okay, what if Aaron Rodgers retires? What if Eli Manning goes? Well, Eli Manning retired before, so we'll get in before. Uh, what if Aaron Rodgers retires? What if Tom Brady retires? What if Ben Roethlisberger retires? These are first ballot Hall of Famers. You're going to put them in before. And also, our standards of greatness for quarterbacks are changing. It's become rings now. It's The NFL, thanks to Tom Brady, has become rings culture. But with that culture, and thanks to Tom Brady, I think while Julian Edelman doesn't deserve statistically to be in the Hall of Fame, I think he's getting in the Hall of Fame. If I look at the second dynasty, because the Patriots, you look at one 20-year dynasty, but really it's two separate dynasties over the course of 20 years. If I look at dynasty two, With Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, Brady's in the Hall of Fame, Bill's in the Hall of Fame, Gronk's in the Hall of Fame. That's three. That's three. Who else, and I talked to some people in Boston about this. Christopher Price helped me on this because I wanted to make sure I got this right before I brought this to your guys' table. Is Welker a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Is Mankins a Hall of Famer? Matt Light. Matt Light never won a Super Bowl. With them, So Matt Light may very well be a Hall of Famer, but I don't know if Matt Light, I don't, Matt Light is not part of that dynasty. When we look at dynastic teams, great teams, we got to put more than one or two or even three characters in. You go back to the 72 Dolphins for comparison. Don Shula, Bob Greasy, Larry Zonka, Jim Langer, Leonard Little, Larry Little, Paul Warfield, Nick Bonacani, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys from the 72 Dolphins are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, right off the top of your head. Shula, Greasy, Zonka, Langer, Little, Warfield, Bonacani. I'm only going to put in Bill. I'm only going to put in Tom and Gronk into the Hall of Fame out of that second dynasty. I don't think you can. And because of what Julian Edelman did in the postseason, while I saw the Warren Sharp tweet, and I totally agree, It's not even close to the type of career that Heinz Ward had. It's embarrassing to make the comparison to the type of career that Heinz Ward had or any of these other wide receivers that Chad and Green Bay brought up. Remember, we're not looking at just stats. We're telling stories. Writers, media, we love a good story. We love to tell a good story. Say Julian Edelman after this is all said and done, and I know that there was a PED suspension in there as well. That part of the tale is told. But when you look at the great teams, how can I look at three great teams and say that only those three guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame from those three teams? I could very well tell you that the media, the voters who vote on this, they can't just leave three guys in. We love stories. Julian Edelman, what, seventh-round pick? Was called up, was, was Bill Belichick was was begged, hey, take a look at this guy, he's fantastic. And I'll tell you this, myself as a media member, Julian Edelman was the quarterback of the Kent State Golden Flashes in the first ever college football game that I covered. The first ever game I covered as a member of the media, Kent State-Akron, when he was the quarterback at Kent State and ripped Akron up and down the field. We love stories like that. A guy who was the quarterback at Kent State 
making great catches in the Super Bowl. The guy who's the quarterback at a little Mac school making catches in the Super Bowl, being the difference, being a Super Bowl MVP. Now, I'd look at that from a cold standpoint and say, there's no chance that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Hell, if you want to put him in the Hall of Fame, why don't you just give? Why don't you just make it like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and put Tom Brady in twice instead of putting Julian Edelman in? But I think we like to tell stories. I think that, no, he's not a first ballot Hall of Fame or even a second, third, fourth, or fifth. But say Julian Edelman stays on the right path. Say he starts charity. Say he does good work. Say he does TV. Ends up in media. Maybe he makes a comeback with the Buccaneers later on this year when he gets his knee right, and maybe he goes out and maybe wins another Super Bowl with Tom Brady for crying out loud. I think we're going to want to put him in. Might be 20 years from now. Might be 25 years from now. I think we're going to look back at that dynasty and go, how are three guys the only guys who get in? When we look at the highlights of the Super Bowl, well, I can tell the story of the NFL without Julian Edelman. I, I really can. I hate that argument for it. There's plenty of guys. I can't tell the story of the NFL for going by that maximum without David Tyree or, or Mario Manningham. I hate that argument for it. I know I can't tell the story of certain Super Bowls, obviously the one he's the MVP of, without Julian Edelman. So over time, we soften our stance, and we love to tell stories. We love to find anniversaries. We like good things. And if Julian Edelman stays on the straight and narrow and is good in the media and good in the community and is a beloved patriot and does TV and does all the things that you're supposed to do politically to get yourself in, I think Julian Edelman, while he should not have any chance in hell to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I think Julian Edelman's getting in. 855-2124-CBS. Tony Pauline, 1140 AM Eastern. Up next, the top five movie villains of all time. Thanks to Anthony Pierno. It's Ken Carmen, CBS Sports Radio. Listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. Tony Pauline, 11.40 a.m. Eastern. You hear the music. It's time for the top five music movie villains of all time. Almost said music villains of all time. Is Yoko Ono in the top five music villains of all time? <laughs> <laughs> number one. Yeah, probably is number one, right? All right. I I will go first because mine are not nearly as good as yours, right? Yeah, that's what, we, that's what we've been doing. Yeah, ascending order, whatever we want to call it. So number five overall, even though I'm not, I saw these movies as an adult, and so I didn't get to enjoy it the way that other people would. Uh, I it has to be Darth Vader in my top five, and the only reason it's not higher is because I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan ever. I'm not as psychotic about it as other people. Which is, hey, you guys like Star Wars? That's cool. I know I'm in the vast minority there, uh, but Darth Vader. It's it's defined a generation. Even if you never saw Star Wars, you did Darth Vader impressions. Darth Vader's number five. Number four, Heath Ledger's Joker. We kind of went over that already. Number three, I don't know how to pronounce the guy's last name. I've only seen this movie once. Uh, he's chilling. He's uncompromising. Anton from No Country for Old Men. Number two, I'm going to get an eye roll from Pierno. I guarantee it. Number two... 
Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. Was he even in your top five, Pierno? No, he's not. But I, all right, I, I get. I, I can I'll understand where you're coming it. from. Yeah, you gotta be. It's a. It's one thing to be like a Gordon Gecko. Like Gordon Gecko, he's in New York. It's the biggest city in the world. You're talking about the biggest players ever. Mr. Potter's the richest guy in Bedford Falls, upstate New York. And he wants to put the boots to about 7,000 townspeople and rule Pottersville with an iron fist. You got to be a real piece of garbage to want to go to some town of 7,000 people and ruin their lives and keep them beholden to you when it's just a little town and a lot of people go, I'll just move to the town next door. The hell, they're all the same. Just move to the other town of the Finger Lakes. But Mr. Potter's a nasty person. Got all those people to believe in it. I got number two. Number one, Michael Myers. I love Halloween. Love Michael Myers. Boom, that's my number one. Pierno, away you go. All right, number five. uh, I'm going to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I got to go with Thanos in Infinity War. The guy, listen, he defeated the Avengers for crying out loud, and he wiped out half the people in the world. And what makes... Many of the best villain arcs are that in which the bad guy does not believe that their actions are bad. They justify their needs with this self-righteous logic. And they act as if their actions are for the greater good. And that's what we have here with Thanos. He's a good villain because he believes he is the hero and that he is saving the universe by wiping out half of it. Uh, Not the most charismatic or the menacing villain, but um, again, he he believes what he's doing is right. And um, most of the time, it's the good guys that prevail, but not here. In Infinity War, this time, the bad guy won. So uh, Thanos is number five for me. He probably should be higher now. Uh, Number four for me is Vader. Uh, like you, again, you made a great point. Even if you haven't seen the movies, I mean, you know who the guy is. Um, but just an intimidating presence, the entire costume with the, the dark mask. He can't see the eyes. He's like soulless. He seems inhuman. And, of course, he is part human, part machine. And then you add in uh, James Earl Jones's the baritone voice the Imperial March theme that we're listening to right now, and you just have this mysterious and imposing force uh, on the big screen. And and right from the introduction in the original film, we see him lift a rebel troop off the floor by his throat. He's just, he is pure evil. And, you know, one of the few good things about the prequel trilogy is, you know, we get to learn that Vader is not straight supervillain like we see in the original trilogy. Things are a little bit more complicated. So I like that aspect of it. You know, those movies went back, the prequels, they went back to show his backstory, and we see him as a young boy. He's born into slavery, trained as a Jedi, was supposed to be the chosen one, and then uh, was lured over to uh, the dark side of the Force. So got Darth Vader there at number four. Uh, number three, boy, these were tough. Uh, I got Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs, the great Anthony Hopkins. Uh, he's intelligent, manipulative. He's always stick, uh, six steps ahead. Uh, yeah, he's also very charming. Uh, just again, just a tremendous performance by Anthony Hopkins. And then you go, uh, you put that with the performance along with the dialogue and the filmmaking, and you just got a really creepy character. He kills you, and then he's going to eat all your organs. Uh, And then, again, even with the limited time that he's on the screen, like, he's on the screen for 
Like I think it was uh, 16, 17 minutes, they said. So even with that limited time on the screen, the character, he leaves this lasting impression and uh, one of the most memorable in history. So Hannibal Lecter there at number three. Uh, number two, I'm with you. I'm going back uh, to No Country for Old Men with Anton. Uh, Javier Bardem does a terrific job, a uh, great acting job here. The character is just a complete psychopath. Just the way that he kills people so nonchalantly. It's chilling, but in a weird way, it's almost like comedic because uh, it just killing is like breathing for him. It just It's like the character is not even human, almost like he's the Terminator. And he just has that cold stare. He just, he's brutal. And any time that he interacts with a character, there's tension there because you have a pretty good idea of what is coming. Uh, and just his whole look, just he's fascinating to look at with the haircut. It just, uh, and, and the ambiguous background, you know, this, his background is unclear. So that makes him really scary. So uh, Anton, uh, number two. Number one, how about we go to Inglorious Bastards and Hans Landa, the great Christoph Waltz. I mean, just what a performance by Christoph Waltz. And what makes him such a great villain is that the danger here is in the normalty. Like, he's not some villain with superpowers. He's, he's not trying, you know, he's just, he's carrying, he's just carrying out his duties. He's, he's very well-mannered. He's polite. If he wasn't wearing that uniform, you would think that he's, he's a great guy. He's a nice guy. Uh, and just, again, Christoph Waltz, he just he grabs your attention uh, right from the get-go. That opening scene on, uh, on the French farm there, one of the best opening scenes in film history. Waltz just, he steals the scene and everything that he's in. It, it just every time he's on, you just glue to him. And just the way that he speaks... The facial expressions, all of his mannerisms, um, he's just, he's unbelievable. And I think, I forgot what Tarantino said. Tarantino either said he was close to scrapping this project altogether, or he would have if he couldn't have found the right person to play this character, Hans. Uh, and he found it in Christoph Waltz. He's just amazing. Again, that whole opening scene with him on the French farm, you know, him bringing, busting out that massive pipe. It's almost cartoonish, and, uh, but it's all part of the integ uh, integration process. Um, it just, it's, it's just it's an unbelievable performance. And the whole restaurant scene with the strudel, the way he stabs at it and eats it, he does it in such a violent way. It, it gives you pause. It, you know the guy's dangerous. Uh, I, love, I love this character, the performance. Uh, so Hans, Landa, and Glorious Bastards, they're number one. Boy, that's some good stuff there, Pierre. That is some good stuff. You going to put that on your Twitter? You going to put, put it out there for everybody? Yeah, we could do that. Okay, at Tony Pierno on Twitter. I received a disturbing text during that last segment, and I, I was trying to pay attention to Pierno the best I can. I will talk about that at noon Eastern. I will talk about that at noon Eastern, the disturbing text I just – it's personal, too. So I share it with the whole country coming up noon Eastern. Up next, Tony Pauline joins us, Pro Football Network. We'll talk NFL Draft with him. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio right now. It's the latest sports update. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. I'm sharing this this. Thing of texts coming up at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific. 
we got to go to the hotline. We welcome in one of the best. Tony Pauline joins us, NFL Draft Analyst, ProFootballNetwork.com. Uh, also, according to Twitter, a big Led Zeppelin fan. Tony, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin song? Believe it or not, it's a song called Out on the Tiles. It's the last song on the first side of Zeppelin Three. for those of us who bought the albums back in the day. So, hands down, it's, it's every... Plant's vocals are incredible. Page's guitar is is, is top notch, and, and Bonzo's in the back there, uh, banging away. So I also like Ten Years Gone as well as Achilles' Last Stand. But Out on the Tiles has always been my favorite. Tony Pauline, ProFootballNetwork.com, joining us on the show. What's a band you hate? Oh, hate. That's a, that's kind of a tough. I'm not a big Bruce Springsteen fan, which I, I know will raise a lot of eyebrows, and I know a lot of people are either driving their uh, car off the road or, or unfollowing me on Twitter right now. But I've never been a big Bruce Springsteen fan. I don't know, I hate him, but I've never been, been a big uh, big Bruce fan. One day when I first started on my morning show, uh, the producer, it was right after a Bruce Springsteen concert the night before, and I like Bruce Springsteen just fine. I, he's not my, like my top three, but he, I like Bruce Springsteen just fine. My producer professed his hate for Bruce Springsteen, and I got to tell you, it was the wrong move politically for the show. We uh, it, we struggled to get people back. It was a struggle. That's why I say hate's a strong word. I just I just don't uh, you know the the media loved Bruce Springsteen and they hated Led Zeppelin, which kind of made that divide even greater between the two for me. Tony Pauline joining us on the show. So let me ask you this: now I, I I'm been I've been very pro Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Very pro Justin Fields. Very defensive of him. Uh, the betting favorite now is Justin Fields at number three overall. What do you think's real? What do you think's a smokescreen between he and Mac Jones? I've said all along. In fact, I've been reporting for the past couple of weeks that Mac Jones to San Francisco for, uh, 49ers at the third pick in all these mock drafts is very premature. I don't think Mac Jones deserves to be the third pick of the draft. I think Justin Fields physically is significantly better than Mac Jones. I don't know why people all of a sudden picked up the ball and ran with Mac Jones. Do I think Mac Jones is a possibility? Possibly. But I don't think he's the sure thing that people are are penciling him him in at. I think there's a very likely chance it's Justin Fields with Trey Lance as the outside, uh, outside shot. I spoke with Pierre Garcon earlier this week, and Garcon played for Kyle Shanahan for a number of years. Garcon said there's no way... Uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to take Mac Jones. Justin Fields is the guy that fits his system. Then why did Mac Jones get bl- just blown out of proportions right there? Talk to the people who uh, – who, who, you, you're talking to the wrong guy because the <laughs> night that trade was made, I was on several shows saying, you know, that's not what I'm hearing, and people seem to run with it. But I think what happens at this time of year is, you know, you have a lot of people covering the draft now who only start covering once the Super Bowl is over. And somebody will say one thing, and then everybody else picks up the ball and runs with it. And I think that's what's going on with the Mac Jones selection. It could still happen, but there's no way in shape or form he is the absolute favorite for that choice. Tony Pauline joining us on the show. So what does Mac Jones do well, and what concerns you about Mac Jones? I'll go with the latter first. doesn't have the great physical skills. I mean, he doesn't have the big arm. He's not a guy that you're going to run a vertical offense with. He can't drive his deep passes. The long passes tend to float and sail. As far as what I like, I, I, the guy's a great field general. I, I mean, he's got it going on in between the ears. 
I was one of the people who thought that he was a beneficiary of the great talent surrounding him at Alabama. And then when I was at three days of Super Bowl practice, a senior bowl practice, I should say, uh, it was almost like a seamless transition from the national title game to senior bowl practice the way Mac Jones threw the ball. And I'm talking about the timing, the accuracy, the pass placement with receivers who were basically strangers to him. And really, I think that bodes well for him. So he's a field general. He's a guy who can play in a couple different offenses, different schemes. You've got to have decent talent around him, and you can't expect him to throw the ball down the field consistently. Tony Pauline joining us on the show. What do you? I mean, you said what you like about Justin Fields. What are the things I should be concerned about when it comes to him? Well, I mean, the, there are legitimate concerns that he doesn't process the information as quickly as, say, a Mac Jones. I know that rubs some people the wrong way. That's the truth of the matter. I mean, I had been reporting that since – November, when uh, Zach Wilson was climbing up draft boards. It means that, you know, I, I think with Justin Fields, you want to throw the ball down the field. Justin Fields legitimately has the strongest arm in this year's draft of the top quarterbacks. You watch the guy, he gets the ball downfield 55 yards with speed and spin. Uh, but the thing is, I, I think you don't want to have him go through a bunch of different reads to start off with. Maybe down the road you can ease him into that. Tony Pauline with us on the show. Okay, give me – a lot of people take aim at, at, at Trey Lance. A lot of people have. He's played the same amount of games in, in college football as Mac Jones. What do you like about Trey Lance? And then, I guess, the same question with the, all the other ones. What what concerns you? Because I, I think there's – it's weird. It's almost like there's a Carson Wentz element to it that sets him up for, for people to not like him or, or whatever reason. I just don't think we've seen as much Trey Lance as we wish we would have. And that's it. It's, and I don't, think it's Trey, I don't think it's Carson Wentz. I think it's Dwayne Haskins, Mitch Trubisky, Mark Sanchez, in the sense that these underclassmen that started a single year on the college level and then entered the draft, history has not been kind to them in the NFL. Now, to Trey Lance, it wasn't anything that Trey Lance did because North Dakota State decided to play one game this fall and push their season back to the spring. So you can't blame Trey Lance. But the fact is this, he's only played one season. He was tremendous the one season he played. But he has a very thin body of work, which is disconcerting. It's a situation where if you, if you, play Trey, if you draft Trey Lance, you may have to sit him for a year for the best thing for the team as well as for Trey Lance. As far as what I like about him, I mean, after Trevor Lawrence, the guy is probably the most complete package when you look at size, arm strength, foot speed, the ability to get outside the pocket and make the throws, the ability to take off up the field and pick up yardage with his feet, but he's not quite there yet. And my concern with Trey Lance is if you draft him early and you stick him on the field or you expect him to be your starter early on, he may never get there because there will be so, the, the curve will be so steep, not just the learning curve, the competition curve, the conditioning curve, the attention to de- detail curve. So I think with Trey Lance, if you do what Andy Reid did with Patrick Mahomes, you could have a real good quarterback on your hands two, three years down the road. Tony Pauline, ProFootballNetwork.com with us. Okay, so Bill Belichick, it's been rumored that he's going to try to make a big jump. Denver, we don't know necessarily what they're going to do. We, we, they, they could be a wild card. They could trade up. They could, they could go after um, Teddy Bridgewater or something like that. Those two teams, their quest for quarterbacks, what do you think they need to do? 
What, I don't think that Denver's going to move up. I don't think they want to give the, away the draft capital to move up because I'm sure Atlanta is kind of rubbing their hands looking at what San Francisco gave up to move to number three. Granted, it's not going to be the same, but it's going to be kind of steep. I am told that right now, and draft meetings are still going on, so the strategies are still being formulated and opinions are being thrown out there. The draft meetings are lasting longer this year than they have in past years because of the COVID situation and guys who hadn't played, but the feeling is is Denver may just sit there and maybe trade down rather than trade up and see which quarterback falls into their laps and then make their decision. I'm also told that there's a possibility that Dallas could trade down if the right offer is given to them. They could trade down and take an offensive tackle like Christian Darris or take a linebacker like Zayvon Collins and a team like the Patriots or maybe the Bears, who seem desperate to come out of this draft with a quarterback, could move up into that slot and take whatever quarterback is available. I, I think any of those teams, like the Patriots, who are 15, moving up to number four, that, that, is, a, that is a massive leap. And, you know, again, we saw what the uh, San Francisco 49ers gave away in draft capital. You're going to have to really be sold on that quarterback, and that's going to be your guy of the future. What should Cincinnati do? Because I, I really like Kyle Pitts, Tony, and Jamar Chase is there, and I know they have to protect Joe Burrow but I don't want to just take a position just to take a position highly. And I, I understand what you're saying. You know, drafting for need, especially that early, could lead to ruin. But you know what? Penny Sewell is a damn good left tackle. I, I mean, he's one of the top prospects in this year's draft who gets overlooked because everyone's talking about the quarterbacks and the pass catchers and the sexy positions. And even though it's always been a priority position come draft weekend, left tackle's not one of those sexy positions. But you've got to protect Joe Burrow. And with Penny Sewell, they're not just getting uh, filling a need. They're getting a real good prospect at the left tackle position, a highly rated prospect, a guy that people expect all along to go top three or top four with the fifth selection of the draft. Okay, so Tony, uh, is, there a, is there a player here that we just don't talk about enough in the top 15 that we really should talk about that you believe is going to be a strong difference maker? Zayvon Collins, the outside linebacker from Tulsa, six wow. foot five, two hundred forty nine pounds, ran in the four sixes at his uh, pro day. Watched the film the past two years at Tulsa. I, the guy was a difference maker, difference maker rushing the passer, a difference maker stacking against the run. He can play in coverage. A lot of people may remember that Friday night game against Tulane that went into overtime. He intercepted the pass and brought it back some ninety yards for a touchdown to win the game. The guy's a pre-med major. He's got it going on between the ears besides the athleticism. Here's the thing. Zayvon Collins at 6'5", 249 pounds, 20 years ago, is a top-10 pick. But the league has moved towards these safety-sized linebackers, guys that are 220, 222 pounds, and, and can run uh, like the wind laterally as well as up the field. But Zayvon Collins is your throwback type guy, and he's someone who is a three-down defender, who is a forceful guy who... I think it's probably going to go somewhere in the middle of round one. But two or three years down the road, people are going to wonder why this guy wasn't a top ten pick. Going back to Penny Sewell for a moment, I mean, you said how good he is. Why? It's so weird because I, I hear the stuff about Justin Fields and I go, that's ridiculous. You can't say anything about a guy personally. But people are talking about like a work ethic with Penny Sewell. How, how do you balance that out, Tony? You got to, you know, what you do is, as far as the scouts are concerned, they talk to the coaches. They will talk to the coaches at Oregon. They will talk to the position coaches, the offensive line coach, the head coach. 
and they will come to basically some sort of middle point as to, you know, is this a guy who is the first to show up and the last to leave, or is this a guy who's the last to show up and the first to leave? Uh, but the fact is this, is you can't argue about Penny Sewell's film the past uh, during his, uh, I shouldn't say the past two years because he didn't play in 2020, 2018, 2019, his freshman and sophomore year because he was big, he was athletic, he's a terrific pass protector at 6'5", 331 pounds. He moves well on his feet and get it, he can get out in the second and even the third level, take out linebackers or even defensive backs. So the underlying talent is there. As far as the work ethic, you're just going to have to ask people in the Oregon program and see what their opinions are of them. Follow him on Twitter, and it's not just because we agree with each other on Justin Fields. Tony Pauline, ProFootballNetwork.com. Take care, my friend. Thanks for having me. Tony Pauline joining us on the show. Big Led Zeppelin fan as well. Led Zeppelin's good music. I used to hate Pink Floyd back in the day. They've grown on me a little bit. I'm not necessarily the biggest Floyd fan. On the turning away, for whatever reason, on the turning away is probably my favorite Floyd song. Run Like Hell's a pretty good song. A couple other songs by Floyd are pretty decent. I don't like Money. I think it's been overplayed. The Wall, I hated The Wall as a kid. But, I, you know, I'm different. I'm weird in comparison to other kids. 855-212-4CBS. Love what he said about Justin Fields. I'm going to get into that Justin Fields stuff coming up. Worker shoot, 1220 p.m. Eastern. We got Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. He joins us 12.40 p.m. Eastern. We'll talk to him about the draft. We'll talk to him about some of the other movement in the NFL. Whether or not Teddy Bridgewater is the guy for the Denver Broncos, that one coming up. Love the stuff we heard from Tony Pauline there. And when I do the mock draft 3.0, I haven't filled him in yet coming up at 1 o'clock. I don't know what I'm going to do for Cincinnati. Because I, I, I got an idea what I would do if I were Cincinnati. I don't know what I'm going to do for Cincinnati on that. No clue. Because I, I have an idea of what Cincinnati should do, but I got nothing right. I, I, I got nothing on a, on a case of what I think they're going to do. 855-2124-CBS. All that, and I, I got to get your help on a personal crisis. Pierno's going to wish he was in in the next segment. I got to ask America a question. I got to ask everybody else a question, too. It's, it's Ken Cravett on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.